0: cooler and so you know obviously deep 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 you know process in this and so uh, planes are cool and, and shooting stuff's fun so I'm going to go for the bombers yeah so, so I started going for Essendon for, for a number of years and I, and I was passionate about the bombers yeah, yeah and then then my cousin said hey look that's cool but I've got a better team for you and it's, it's like a bird of prey it's called Hawthorne like, oh and I like my cousin, he was older and cooler and, and everything about him, so I started barracking for, for Hawthorne, and the, the more I sort of got to know about that, you know, I, you, the Bible talks about the Hebrew people, and the, the Hebrew starts with the letter H, and Hawthorne starts with the letter H, so now it's biblical, <laughs> not really, um, but, but, it, but it was just like, man, so ever since I've barracked for Hawthorne, mostly because my cousin told me I should, deep stuff. We all know people, don't we, who even talking about football, you could see the response. Some people are like, yeah, other people don't care. <laughs> Have you ever met somebody who was so passionate about a football team that if their team loses a game, it's the umpire's fault, right? Yeah, when, when their player punches somebody else in the face... Well, it's because the other team's face got in the way of their fist, right? You know, it's, <laughs> it's not their fault. Oh, they shouldn't have put their head there, you know? Ah, oh, yeah, and, and they get so biased, let alone when somebody's so passionate about football, when they find out the team that you barrack for actually alters the way that they look at you as a person. You know, like, like actually thinking somebody is less of a person because of the team that they barrack for. Now, I won't... There's no showing of hands. Keep your hands down. We're not going to raise hands for that. But we all know people that have been so passionate about a team that it's actually been disproportionate in their attitude towards somebody else. How much worse would it be as a church if we looked at another Christian the same way? Because they had a different belief, a different understanding of Scripture. They are in a different place in their journey of spirituality Maybe they're like a different style of music to you, or a different translation of God's word to you. Imagine if you started to look down on them as a person because of their preference. Today we're going to look at scripture as we continue in our series about one faith, and see what's happening within a church that is doing just that. They're picking on each other and choosing sides and and because they're not focused on Christ, not focused on the gospel, this difference of opinion and the way that they're acting is actually dividing the church and tearing them apart so that we make sure that this never happens to us and so we can understand what scripture has to say about what it is to have a different opinion to somebody else, we're going to dive into God's word today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we pray this morning as we open up Scripture that you would show us how your gospel unifies everything. And when we focus on you, everything else falls into place. Help us to do a self-assessment of us as individuals and your church so that we can make sure that we are on track for the sake of the good news of the message of love that is found in Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. Today we are continuing the series, this is sort of week two of the teaching part, it's week three of the series but week two of the teaching and we're diving back into Corinthians. We we started with it in our overview a couple of weeks back and 1 Corinthians is broken up into the five parts and each of the five parts represents a point of division within the church in Corinth. It's such an important location that Paul spends a year and a half, we read in Acts, that he's traveling around, he stops in Corinth, this important city, and and has to address these different areas of division. Today we're focusing on the first point, the first point of division. Like I said, this series could go for six years, we're going to smash it out in six weeks, so we're just spending a little bit of time in Corinthians, then we'll move on. So, if you do have your Bibles with you, um, our references today, we're going to be looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and 1 Cor- Corinthians chapter 3. So, a little heads up there, the main primary passages. It'll all be up on, um, on the screen as well, but just if you like to read on in your Bible, that's where we're going to be this morning. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, starting at verse 10, we see what's happening. Uh, in the, the passage. I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another in that what you say and that there will be no division among you, but that you may be perfectly united in mind and thought, My brothers and sisters, some of Chloe's household... Thanks for that. Thanks for helping us, you know, just dobbing them in. Yeah, appreciate it. (laughs) Some of Chloe's household have informed me that there's some quarrels among you. But what I mean is this. One of you says that I follow Paul. Another, I follow Apollos. And another, I follow Cephas. Still another, I follow Christ. Verse 13. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Were were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I didn't baptize any of you except for for Christopher's or or Gaius, so that no one could say that they were baptized in my name. Yes, I I also baptized the house of Stephanas. um, And beyond that, I don't remember if I baptized anyone else. For, For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel. Not with wisdom and eloquence, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. What it's saying is this, Paul's saying that I didn't come with like this giant academic theological knowledge with huge words and, and debate. I didn't come with all these titles and stuff. I've come because the gospel is so simple and that's its beauty. It can be accepted by anybody. The gospel is so simple. God loves you. He wants a relationship with you. And he made a way through Jesus Christ for that. That's the gospel. The choice is now yours. Do you choose him or not? God loves you. He wants a relationship with you. And he made a way for that through Jesus Christ. That's it. That's the gospel. you, you You can tell it different ways. For all of sin and fallen short, for God so loved the world. But the simplicity is this God made a way for you to be with Him through Jesus Christ. That's it. That's it. And and, and we see that there's some division starting to take place within the church. There's these three characters that we see start to, to take place. Now, I got some feedback from actually one of our professional artists in the church that my images weren't good enough, um, so I'm going to try and do better this morning. But we've, So we've got, I'm bringing back my kids' ministry days. So we've got, <laughs> and this is the bit where it breaks down <laughs> for time reasons. <laughs> um, I can't draw feet. No. Um, so we've got one character, and we've already seen, we've read from Scripture who it was. So we've got Paul. We then have another character. Who, who was? There was three characters named Apollos. All right, now Apollos. Just trying to get some inspiration here. I don't know what that is. It's kind of the man bun, but. Who um, <laughs> was that, Apollos? And who, who else we've got? Cephas. AS, US? AS, thank you. I spelled it wrong at the last service on purpose, and I'm pretty sure there's a few people that didn't hear another word for the whole message because they couldn't see past the spelling mistake. Um, and, and so we've got Cephas. <laughs> we can do this. And just just to kill some time, this guy's been hitting the gym a bit. Um, uh, I'll give him some jeans, And still can't draw feet. Okay. So, we've got Cephas, (laughs) Apollos, and Paul. (laughs) Where are we going with this? Okay, now what's happening is we see that, that, that Paul's writing. and says, you're saying this, that some are following Paul, some are following Paulus, some are following Cephas, some are following Jesus. What's going on? I've heard this report that you're following people. What, what why would you follow people? We pick up in Scripture... The issue of this in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. So if you're your Bibles or if you're on your phone, flip over the page. And we start at verse 1. <coughs> Excuse me. Of, um, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. I'm still fighting off this chest infection, so I apologize for the, the cough. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1. Brothers and sisters, I, I could not... Address you as people living, who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly. Mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. Indeed, you're still not ready. You are still worldly. For since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere humans? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not mere human beings? Verse five, after, like what, after all, is Apollos? And what is Paul? The only servants through whom you came to believe. As the Lord has assigned to each a task, I planted, this is Paul saying this, I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God who has been making things grow. So neither the one who plants or the one who water is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The one who plants and the one who waters have, have purpose, and they will each receive a reward record according to their own labor. For we are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field, God's building. By the grace God has given me, I laid the foundation as a wise builder and someone else is building on it. But each one should build with care. What he's saying here is this. What's taking place in context of this passage is this. In the scripture we're saying some follow Paul, some are following following Apollos and some are following our bodybuilder Cephas. And what they're saying is this, that not only are they saying, I want to follow this person, but they're seeing this disunity. And what's happening is that the people are following Paul are starting to have digs at the people that are following Apollos. And the people that are following Apollos are saying, nee, I wouldn't want to be following Cephas. you checked out his hair? And the, and the people at Cephas are saying, oh, yeah, well, Paul was all right, but I prefer this, and I prefer that. And they're identifying that the people that they follow are the teachers in the church and they've lost perspective. That the one they should be following is actually the master. They should be following Jesus. You don't follow the messengers. You follow the Messiah. The one who gives the message. We see that, that it's... Paul's saying it's okay to have a different part and have a preference. That's okay. We all play a different part. I planted the seed. I came and shared the gospel with you. Remember when I came and said, Hey, God loves you, God wants a relationship with you, but you have to do that through Jesus? There's the message. Remember that? And then you wanted to go a little bit deeper. And who helped with that? Well, Apollos. But what's the message? Well, it's Jesus and His gospel. There's the simple entry point God loves you. you. You enter that relationship through Jesus. But then you can go deeper into that love by going into Scripture. But the answer is still Jesus. See, the answer is always the gospel. Paul actually goes on uh, later in Corinthians to unpack this just a little bit more. He says, you know what? We are all servants of God. We all sit under God. We all sit under Jesus. He is the head. But you know what? Each and every one of you has gifts and abilities. And you can appreciate another ability. You can appreciate another gift, but don't underestimate what you have to give as well. Paul's words are this, we are one body of many parts. We're one body of many parts, and we all have different gifts, and we all have different abilities. And and that's a good thing, because if we're all... You know, hands, well, how could we walk? And if we're all eyes, how could we smell? Like, we, we all need the diversity of the body of Christ. And in our diversity, there is beauty because in somebody's weakness, there is a strength somewhere else. And when we come together unified with Christ at the head, that's when we become the powerhouse that is God's church. And what we see in scripture is when there's unification, that's when the church moves forwards. When there's division, that's when the church halts. And so for the sake of the gospel being moved, we need to elevate the gospel to its rightful place. What Paul is is wrestling with, and we're going to put some simple language around this, is is firstly, your language matters. Your language matters. You, you You can have a different preference, you can like a different kind of speaker or a different like a teaching or a different style of worship and that's okay but you don't put down the other style you don't you don't bag out something just because it's different or it's not your cup of tea because that's another part of the body of Christ and we're meant to be unified not divided and in the unification God can do his his thing See, our words, our language matters. The tone in which we communicate to one another matters. The way that we say something to somebody else, you can be nice words but said sarcastically, and the tone really matters. And the reason and because of this is people matter. People matter. They matter to Paul in Scripture. They matter to Jesus. They matter to us. People matter. And the way that you have a conversation is important. You can disagree and that's okay because people matter first. The the words you use and the tone are vitally important. It goes on, we see in Scripture in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29, it says, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may be a benefit to those who listen. It's saying that don't put somebody else down like like, be careful of what you say be careful of the language you use be careful of the words that you say now there's also a part in scripture that that we have to touch on because you might take what we've said so far and said well I can't actually say anything bad to anybody ever but what if they're doing something wrong what if they're doing something dangerous what if they're 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 going to hurt themselves or somebody else What, what happens then we go back to what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 18 and Jesus actually says, and once again, the tone, because people matter, the tone matters and language matters. We see that Jesus said, If if a brother sins against you, if somebody within the church is doing something that you see there's potential for damage, potential for harm, something that you see could be causing division, if somebody's doing a behavior that's not appropriate, go and have a conversation with them. What's the tone? It's love. I'm concerned for you. I want to have a chat. Hey, could we grab a coffee? Can we have a conversation? The tone is love. And it goes on to say, if if that doesn't win them over, go and get somebody trusted to the church. Go and get an elder. Somebody that's been elevated to authority within the church. Somebody that may be a little bit impartial and can see both sides like a mediator and bring them in. Because it may be that that goes the other way. It's like, man, everyone should just wear red. You know, well maybe not. You know, and, and maybe I'm wrong with that opinion. It, it may go the other way. I need to show more grace in, in what people are wearing. You know, we we don't know. But you, you take someone with authority from within the church to have the conversation in that space. Yeah, you know, there's two outcomes of this. The, the 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 harsh outcome if somebody is actually doing something deeply destructive. and and maybe abusive, or that goes against justice, and and they won't turn away from that, the Bible actually says they're not a part of God's church. That's not what God stands for. He doesn't stand for abuse. He doesn't stand for injustice. God will not allow someone to do something so harsh and heinous and terrible, cast them out of the church, don't have anything to do with them. Pretty harsh. But the other part, which is what we quote all the time, says this, for where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am also. We, we misquote that all the time. Usually around prayer meetings where not very many people turn up. it's going, oh, There's two of us, so we're good to pray, right? <laughs> but that passage actually comes from a, a, a part of Scripture that's conflict resolution, where Jesus says, you know what, if you come together for my gospel, for my sake, to elevate me, to put me first, even if there's disagreement, If you are able to work this out harmoniously for the sake of the gospel, I am so there. I am all over that. I am with you. I am for you. So don't be afraid to have a hard conversation. But the passage that Paul is saying in this is that we need to be unified as the church, not divided. We need to be loving in our interaction with one another. We need to realize that there are different opinions and ideas within this place. Like a footy team. There's multiple people barracking for multiple teams, but we love footy. or most of us. Not all of us. Some of us. But when it comes to the church, we love Jesus. We do that in different ways. We have different, different songs and different ideas, different teaching styles, different devotions, and that's okay. The thing that's important is we're united in one faith around Jesus Christ. You see, the world says, if you don't agree with me, if you don't agree with my opinion on something, I don't like you as a person. You come across that? If you don't agree with somebody's opinion, all of a sudden they start taking shots at you personally. And they combine the opinion and the person so closely. And that's not what scripture talks about. It says, you know what, if you're looking for identity, don't look for identity in your opinion, look for your identity in Christ. That's the thing that unifies us. It's not in, in your, your gift set or your opinion or whatever. We are unified because of what Jesus did for us on the Christ. It is Christ that unifies us. I've got some examples of how this plays out in the real world. Just a few weeks back, we, got, we had a phone call um, or a message that, that came through to the church of a, a family who, whose only way of heating the home that... that The house, the the family home was wood. have a wood fire. We all love a wood fire. Most of us love a wood fire, unless you've got allergies. It's terrible. But wood fire, it's great. And they they want to heat their home. They're about due for wood, and the entire family gets hit with COVID. They're locked down. They need wood. What do they do? And so I was privileged to be a part of the chat chain that that popped up where a a bunch of uh, members from the church were in these group chat of hey can somebody help out we need a load of wood at this address um, because they need to hit the home and they can't leave because they're quarantined okay and and I just watched the body of Christ in action there's a need and a gap and what started to happen is oh yep I've got a chainsaw yep I've got a ute yep I've got a back I can lift it you know whatever I've got the, all this stuff and, and people started to go, yep 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 and I remember looking at this this the heart of the body of Christ. And, and one of, one of the, the group people in this group said, yep, I, I knock off work. I should be home about 8 p.m. I'll go and help out then. <laughs> it's like cutting wood at night time. Yeah. What could go wrong? Um, yeah, but, but you could see the heart of like, this is awesome. This is the body of Christ. And what happens when a need and a, and a gift set and a heart is met together? This family, what are they saying about the church? What are they saying about the body of Christ? Like, I am so happy to be a part of the body of Christ. I am so happy to, to be a part of this family that's caring and giving. And when it, when it flips around and somebody else is in need, who's going to be the first to put their hand up? You know, the, the people that received. And this is the strength. We don't do it so we get stuff. We do it because we're working together to help our brothers and sisters and to be able to help and fill the needs. Another, another conversation that I had in the past couple of years was with a young girl who was um, wanting to look for a church to plug into. And, and a conversation went along the side of this. We went in for a coffee and, and a big public space, because that's where we always sort of meet when we're meeting, especially meeting someone from the opposite gender. Always make sure it's public spaces. And, um, and the conversation went along the lines of this. I'm looking for a place to call home and to, to worship God, but... But I'm, I'm, I have these views on sexuality and I have these, these views on, on how to live. And her exact words were, and I've done, been on this journey and this is who I am. And, and throughout the whole conversation, you know, tone matters, people matter, language matters. And, and so I was able to say to, the, to her the entire time, says, Jesus loves you. Jesus absolutely loves you. We would love for you to be a part of our our church family here. But I want to challenge you on one thing. Your identity is not in your sexuality. Your identity is in Christ. Your identity, all of our identities are not in our gifts and abilities. Our identities are not in our finances or our upbringing. Our identities are not in the things that are most passionate to us, other than our identity has to be found in Christ. Because your identity was paid for on the cross. It was paid for. That's who you are. You are a child of God. You are loved just as you are, but God has a plan for you to be something else when we elevate the gospel to its rightful place, everything else falls into perspective. Everything else falls into perspective. Don't find your identity in other things. It's okay to have different ideas. It's okay to have different opinions. It's actually the body of Christ and it's a beautiful thing to have some of the diversity there. But we have to have the number one thing in our life to be Jesus Christ. John chapter 14, verse 15 through to 17 says this, And if you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him, because it neither sees him or know him, but you know him, for he lives in you and will be with you. This is the spirit of truth. This is the Holy Spirit. The truth is that God loves you and God's made a way through Jesus Christ. That's the gospel. Paul says that you can can measure your journey based on what's going on with the way you treat others. He says, are you an infant in your Christian walk? Because if you're doing that, then you're going to be at each other. I don't like that. I want to follow this. I like this person's teaching far more than anything else. I only do this. I only listen to this. I can't even consider that God could use something else to speak to me. It was a number of years ago where I was really challenged. I grew up in a really conservative church. Great church. Beautiful people. And I say this story all the time. And don't get me wrong. I wouldn't change it for the world the most beautiful, loving community. But there was some conservative teaching. And I remember the first time I went to a conference in Melbourne, there was a young girl speaking in tongues. I think I've said that she had this story before. And she's speaking in tongues. I'm a country boy. No idea what's going on. And I remember just like, we're praying and she's talking. And I'm like, are you okay? No idea. No idea. I'd never been taught. So there I'm I'm having a crash course on what speaking in tongues is. Never ever had any exposure to to Pentecostal spiritual gifts or anything like that. Now while I may not agree with everything that happens with our Pentecostal brothers and sisters, when you look at the the, the gospel, you go, wow, wow. There is something about the Holy Spirit that Jesus does in Scripture that I see they do better than we do. And maybe I can learn something from that. I may not agree with everything, but I'm not going to put them down. I can learn and have a better understanding of God because of something that I can learn from someone else. I don't have to take it all on board. But as gifts, as the body of Christ... Different gifts, different parts. I can learn something. Salvation Army brothers and sisters. They wear uniforms. They do stuff different to us. But when it comes to serving the community, wow, we can learn from that. They are incredible, aren't they? There's some things that we may not agree with or, or may not see eye to eye, but that's okay because when we, when we work together as the body of Christ, as God's church, different flavors, different views, it is elevated if we focus on the, the thing that matters most, and that is the gospel. When we elevate the gospel, everything else falls into place. <clears throat> this week, I want to challenge us as individuals and as a church to, to look at some things that I think are going to help us long term. Because remember that, that, that language matters, tone matters and people matter. So this week as we, we engage with others, look at your language and is the gospel over the way that you communicate? Look at your text messages, look at your emails, look at your correspondence with others, look at the way that you interact with your family or your workmates, what is the tone? What are the words that you're using? Are you building one another up? If you need to correct someone, is there love behind it? Parents, when it comes to discipline your children, and they've broken that thing or done that thing, what's your reaction when you're going to go and give the punishment? Is it anger? Frustration? Maybe you're the one that needs the time out first to get the emotions in check before you, you lovingly correct them. Let's pray. Definitely, Father, we thank you so much that we are unified under the gospel of Jesus Christ. We thank you so, so much that we have one faith in the one that matters the most. Lord, we thank you for the different gifts and abilities that are represented across your church, not only here at York Street, but across the denominations that follow you that are focused on the thing that is most important, and that is Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that we would be unified for the sake of the gospel, that we would not be divided, that our conversations would be gracious and full of mercy and love. And Lord, that as people look to us, they would see a church that is not divided because of different ideas and opinions, but is united under Jesus Christ. A church's number one desire is to see people come into relationship with you. That actually celebrates the diversity of gifts and abilities as each and every one of us uses what you have given us to further the kingdom. And Lord, when one of us is down, may we have the discernment to be able to pick them up. And Lord, when one of us is up, Give us the eyes to see others the way that you see them so that we can meet the needs both within our brothers' and sisters' lives but also those in the world. And we pray that we would be united in one faith, faith in Jesus, so that you are the first thought in our mind at the start of the day. And as we reflect at nighttime, we would be worshipping you because we've seen you in action. I pray that this week we would be united for the sake of the gospel. In Jesus' name.